Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., And I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Cannabis Talk 101, featuring Blue and Joe Grande, the world's number one source for everything cannabis. Hola, me amo Chris. Y tú? Me llamo Jose Grande. Hey, Jose Grande. ¿Qué pasó, cabrón? Welcome to Cannabis Talk 101. <laughs> How you doing, bro? That'd be great if we really spoke Spanish. We're such sellouts. <laughs> Puerto Rican and Mexican can't speak a lick that's of the game, bro. That's all about we got right there, folks. That's our, <laughs> that's our show in Spanish and me going, dame besito. Hey, well, we are looking for a team out there. If you're Hispanic and or Mexican, American, Spanish speaking. If you want to do the show, please. Come on down, man. We're going to talk about this. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, we're down to do it. Joe, tell us what's going down on the show, well, man. Well, thank you guys for listening to our podcast all around the world make sure you check out the website cannabistalk101.com as we have so many great articles and blogs on the site for you to check out and feel free to give us a call anytime 1-800-420-1980 and go check out the ig pages on all social media it's cannabis talk 101 my brother from another mother next to me blue is at the number one christopher Wright. hello and you could always catch me on the gram at joe grande 52 and i got to tell you guys about cali FX's full and broad spectrum hemp extracted products it yeah. contains cbd cbg and some 1300 other elements that are naturally derived substances from the hemp and the plant check out the tinctures the waters the topicals and the vape collection mm-hmm. go feel the effects check them out online at califx.com now besides us today in studio is hirsch jane that's right hello hirsch jane the founder and ceo of ananda strategy an entity that advises leading cannabis brands retailers technology businesses and venture capital funds in the united states canada and western europe helping guide their expansion strategy competitive license efforts, and much more. Now, in California alone, Ananda Strategy, his company, has entitled more than 40 of the 1,000 dispensaries in the state, including many of the highest-grossing retail outlets in the region. Now, check this out, Blue. He serves as the vice chair of the California Cannabis Chamber of Commerce. In addition, he's on the board of directors of the National Organization for Reform of Marijuana Laws, which is normal in California, N-O-R-M-L, in good old killer Cali. And he co-sponsors California's pioneering medical cannabis law, Prop 215, in 1996. He is also on the board of directors of SC Labs, one of the largest cannabis and hemp testing labs in the United States. And on top of all that, my man's got his BA from Berkeley. That's Berkeley in, you know, the Bay Area, the one of the hard schools area. to get into. And hold on, it's not done. A juris doctorate from Harvard Law School. 
So this is the man that you want to go check out. Visit the website, anandastrategy.com. Also follow them on the IG at anandastrategy, A-N-A-N-D-A-S-T-R-A-T-E-G-Y to elevate your cannabis brand to the next level. Without further ado, give it up for Hirsch in the building, Let's folks. go, Hirsch. Dude, yeah. that is very, very impressive, dog. You have, so, I, I remember when we were on a three-way text with Brian Buckley. Thank you, yep. Brian, for hooking us up with you. Brian's right away, I said, Mr. Smarty Pants, as I fucking looked you <laughs> up. I was, I was like, oh, so you're good at taking tests, huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> used to be, at least, you know. A good yeah. test taker. I mean, those accolades alone on top of everything you're doing currently, but your past speaks a lot about who you are, right? I mean, and then I was reading a lot of the stuff on the IG, for those who are just listening, your Indian descent, well, maybe you heard by the name, uh, and cannabis, like from what I read from yours, is is part of your guys' culture and history there. Yeah. So did you grow up with cannabis in the house? Was it something your family taught you, you know, to like, use as medicine? Like, like many of us, I started using cannabis at a young age, at 15, and it totally changed my life. I think that's a pretty common story uh, for many of us. But it took me a while to realize how embedded it was in Indian culture because it's been part of Indian culture for thousands of years. But as a result of the war on drugs, you know, kind of led by the United States, a lot of that culture was stamped out around the world. <laughs> kind so of. It's, uh, yeah, right. And so it's it's kind of like my life and my culture coming full circle, to be honest with you. So I like thing. that. That was well said. Dude. And, and I, I really look. see that as being your life. And, and, and when did you realize that? Because you're involved in so much, you do so much. When did that evolution come to you to do this and then to open a company like this to help this cannabis industry? Yeah, you know, I'm really passionate about cannabis and I love the law. And I think if you are a legal nerd and you're really passionate about cannabis, this is the perfect space to work in. So I love the work that I do because I enjoy looking at the legal and regulatory architecture of cannabis and, it, and it's something that I love. And so I've been working in the cannabis industry, you know, for five years formally, but I've been doing, you know, sort of volunteer and activism work in cannabis since I was 18, you know, working in the Berkeley Public Defender's Office. So this is this has been a lifetime thing for me, you know. When you say worked in the Public Defender's Office, you were working for, uh, you know, what side of the public? Yeah. So UC Berkeley had a student public defender's office. And so I was the cannabis lead in that office. Yeah. So I would defend students that were accused of cannabis violations I by the university. I, and back then, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. But well, you'd be on Telegraph and you could pick up an eighth all day. Yeah, any day. all day from Patches. Right under that. Patches is still Shout out to Patches. You know, my man. Dude, I used to go there all the time. Yeah. Go to the record store. Right across that. from Amoeba. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I love that That was area. fire, bro. Oh, it was a great time. It wasn't, it wasn't dose back then, though. So you had to be careful. You know, you had to cut it up into pieces and and then i go just go go down the street go into oakland and go to flint's barbecue on yeah. east 14th well i'm a vegetarian but you know oh, okay but i'm just saying that's what i used to do boy Smart man. and get some pizza right there on, on telegraph blondies get, fat slice blondies. yeah, yeah i grew just, up on those streets i mean those are those are part of my you know heart really so yeah it's a good area and it's a big cannabis cultural area that berkeley san francisco hayden telegraph it's such a big area and for yeah. you going to berkeley that was a I like to call it a cannabis friendly school, even though it's very well known for its accolades of you know, scholars and this and that and lawyers. And it's really a high school to get into. But I feel like it's a cannabis school. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not one of those schools that is not known for it. It's known, in my opinion, being sure. from the Bay Area, like we'd go to Berkeley and smoke. Yep. It was like and a lot of people from Berkeley, you met them. They smoked. Yep. I mean. 
Let's be honest. Northern California is just I one mean, of the. I mean, well, not Stanford. Let's just when you say Northern California, like Stanford oh, wasn't known for. I'm oh, just saying the two big schools there are, you know, Stanford what are you and Berkeley. About? They were all smoking. They right? were, but, but Stanford wasn't no. Berkeley was on a high. Just on a high. Yeah, yeah. In the eucalyptus grove, man. That's that's where we used to smoke. You know, right there. I mean, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I, I I just think of when I think of anywhere in Northern California, just. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I went to just San Jose everybody. State, it's so a it was. Cool, it's part of the culture. It was a there. culture, but my point is, Berkeley to me had this. Different feeling vibe, upper echelon. You're smarter than us. Yeah, they, they didn't get caught doing it. You know what I'm saying? They didn't no, get well, caught. They didn't get caught. Like you said, he was there <laughs> doing it, and and you would be able to uh, smoke like San Jose State, Stanford. You weren't walking around uh, uh, whatever boulevard it is right there that goes down there, and you weren't smoking there like Stanford, like you would do Telegraph. My point is, there was a known area where you could pick up weed, get weed, smoke yep. weed in Berkeley, and even not be messed with. Because it was just such a well-known area. So were you at that level when it really turned around in college? Like, okay, I want to help this whole cannabis movement. Yeah, I mean, it started in high school, but it's but it's grown since then. You know, when I started using in canna- cannabis in high school, I realized that everything I was told about it was inaccurate. When I started using cannabis, I became a better student, right? Because I would, I would use cannabis and I would read philosophy. I would become intellectually engaged. I became a better athlete. I would use cannabis and I would go for, for long runs. Um, I, I, I thought I loved music, but then I started using cannabis and then I really learned how to love music. So I found that everything I was told about it was inaccurate and it made me a more intelligent, a more engaged, a more athletic person. And all of my boys that I was smoking with were some of the smartest, you know, most effective people that I knew. And so I, I learned that early and that just continued to grow throughout life. And so it's kind of a dream to be sitting here half a lifetime later. But yeah, even yeah. at Harvard, when even, you went even there? at Harvard, you know, when I was at Harvard, I focused on the war on drugs, uh, which again, a decade ago was was sort of unheard of. But I got sure. to study under some of the great race and criminal justice scholars in the country and do a lot of work on the racially disproportionate impact of the war on drugs. And so yeah, I mean, there's a there's a strong intellectual dimension to this. And and, and how do you feel weird. it's grown? Or how do you feel it's it, is it still under the same lock and key? What would what, what do you see as far as the the time shift and cultures that's been? You, you mean just like in this country? Or? Yeah, j- j- don't I mean, overall specifically, abroad, yeah, like, or I mean, I would say in this country, yeah. but but abroad, if you if you have that too. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's the best of times and it's the worst of times, right? So it's the best of times in the sense that there are 23 adult use states, right, that allow cannabis. 70% of Americans support adult use cannabis. When I use cannabis, it's far less stigmatized than it was five years ago. So it's the best of times, but there's also challenges. I mean, you all know how difficult it is to operate a business in this environment. So we've made a tremendous amount of progress, but we still have a really long way to go. I have an idea. What is it, Blue? I'll let you know after this break. It's Cannabis Talk 101. We'll be right back after this break. (laughs) Follow Blue at one Christopher Wright. Follow Joe Grande at Joe Grande 52. Subscribe to our weekly newsletter on our website, CannabisTalk101.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. 
Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends. We're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Cannabis Talk 101. The Bear Flag Group is your white label partners. They're known to be on time, accurate, and do quality co-packaging. They've been launching brands in California since 2015. And at the Bear Flag Group, they do what they say they're going to do. Go check them out online at bearflaggroup.com. Hirsch Gain, the co-founder and CEO of Ananda Strategy, is here with us. But Blue, you say you have an idea. I can't wait to hear what this idea is. Hirsch, since you're doing all kinds of stuff, first of all, what, what do you enjoy doing the most out of all the things that you're doing right now uh professionally what do i enjoy Mm -hmm. it's hard to pick just one but to pick one i get to work with really talented entrepreneurs what i mean by that is i don't really have the skills to operate a great retail store or to build a brand right that's just not the skill set that i have but i do love the law and regulation and so i get to work with really talented people and help them achieve their dreams right help them build a great retail footprint you know help them get into the right stores Help them think about, you know, if they have a good brand, what other states they might expand into and which operators they should partner with to scale. So that's that's what I love the most. You know, all of the people that I've worked for as clients, like they have game and I don't really have the skill set that they have, but I get to see them do their thing. And there's a small skill set that I have that can allow them to really succeed. So it's kind of a vague answer, but I, I, I do love that. piece of it. So my, my idea was, as you know, I, I love the way this guy talks. And I've never said this, but I, I think that having him have some kind of a, uh, an educated message or something that comes out through our platform would be pretty intelligent for us to, you know. Oh, yeah. He could break knowledge. I mean, he has yeah. all the accolades of look at, I mean, the Harvard Law. You give him a bigger, last... a bigger mouthpiece. Yeah, a bigger, you, you a need to be spe- like he just needs to be a speaker all the time. I mean, you know, he, I mean, messages and this and that. Even I mean, like with the education platform things that I'm doing. Well, the, you, you, know, you look the, the at what he's doing here, even on his website for his yeah. company, you guys at Ananda Strategies. Look at the brands he's worked with. I mean, they're, they're, they're the big ones, like your MedMens, your Airbnbs, your Harvard Law Schools, I mean, SC Labs. It's not little mom and pop, this and that, but yet you've helped the mom and pop get their dispensaries, get their brands. You do this. I, I get introduced to you through a, a gentleman who's a Marine who, you know, he doesn't give us lightweights. So, he, you know, Brian <laughs> Buckley, who's in our magazine Is as he well. here today? He was here. He just left oh. a little while ago. Yeah, you didn't see him? I heard he was here. Oh, yeah, and yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. see him. And, and, and you know, so... Yeah. You, you do have like all the great things I'm like, dude, this is uh, the real. What did you do with MedMen? I'm so curious. Uh, I w- that was the first job that I had in cannabis. So when I tried to break into cannabis, I applied everywhere. Nobody would hire me, but MedMen hired me. And the reason they took a chance on me is I was working for Airbnb and I passed the Airbnb regulations in L.A. You know, Airbnb, like many sharing economy companies, was blowing up, but there weren't laws and regulations around it. So I negotiated that agreement. And just around that time, MedMen was the big dog in LA. And they were like, hey, you know, you're a kid in your late 20s, but you help pass these laws, help us expand our footprint in LA. And look, Hmm. it wasn't, I'll be honest, it wasn't necessarily the greatest place to work, right? It had some challenges, 
but I was lucky enough to be in that seat when they were the big dog. And so I just got exposure to so cannabis. So Adam was, in, was running it then? Adam was running it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I like Adam. I'm a Adam. fan of Adam. Yeah. So are we, hey, so are we. We love Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, some people aren't, but I, I like Adam. He's uh, he's direct and uh, he's he's charismatic, man. Yeah. You know? so. Did you actually get to work with him through that process? Yeah, kind of. I mean, it's not like we were working together super closely, but we're all in the same office. So sure. yeah, we'd see each other every day. But oh, yeah. Out know, there in good old Culver City. Yeah, Culver City. That red office there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a great company and great. So yeah. tell us about your company and what people are utilizing you guys for exactly. Why should people call you? Totally. What I basically try to do, again, I'm a legal nerd that's really passionate about cannabis. So what I mean by that is I try my best to study the regulatory markets in every state in this country at a really granular level to really understand the licensing mechanics, who the operators are, how likely they are to scale, what the balance between supply and demand is and how that affects pricing. So I spent all of my day, like eight hours a day, reading everything I can about cannabis happening in this country. And then I make that information useful to a bunch of different players. Like if you're a small mom and pop app operator, like my client Ascent, they have one store in Mammoth Lakes and I'm helping them open their second one in Bishop. Or if you're a really big operator, like a wheelhouse or the artistry, and you're trying to open your 10th store, right? Understanding where in California you should go, helping you win that license, and then operationalizing that business as quickly as possible so that you're not paying rent on an empty storefront. So those are a couple of examples or, you know, brands, right? Like Mammoth Distribution is a brand of mine, heavy hitters, helping them figure out, hey, who are the retailers we should partner with so we can scale with them? What are the other states we should, we should look into? And so, I mean, I, I could give you a million examples. Those are a couple, but it's also like investment funds, right? They, they've made investments in companies in all of these different states and they wanna think, okay, how likely is Virginia to add flour to their medical program? When you add flour to a medical program, what does that do to sales? What does that mean for our investment in these operators? And so if you, if you love the, the law, like I do, and you love cannabis, you can make that information useful to people. And I mean, maybe the last thing I'll say, not to get too grandiose here, but you know, by virtue of how decentralized this is, we have all of these different policy experiments going on in different states. And it's fun for me to compare them. Like, what are different states doing? Are they achieving their intended outcomes? How can we put forth better policy to achieve a diverse cannabis industry, an accessible cannabis industry? What can we do to, to be better? And so I, I really enjoy all that. You know? And I, I love that. that you say that because as I look at all these states, and I think you'd have a better answer, if you can pick and choose what are the best rules for us to all follow on a who's, regulation who's leading yeah, the standards? Totally. And I could talk about this for hours, so I'll, I'll try and be relatively succinct. I mean, as you said, right, we have all these different experiments going on. And although nobody's getting it perfect, there's a bunch of cool things that are happening. So let's take Missouri. You know, I, I listen to the show all the time. I think you guys have talked about Missouri a little bit. Missouri has some of the lowest cannabis taxes in the country, right? Unlike California that has a 15% state excise tax, a 10% local excise tax, a 10% sales tax, you know, tax on tax. Missouri's got a 6% state tax and local municipalities can tax if they want, maybe up to 3%. So not to get too wonky, but because of that low tax structure, cannabis in, in Missouri is really competitive with the illegal market. When you go to Missouri, you can see and smell the product the way you would a vegetable if you're going to a grocery store. You can't do that in California. So that's an example. Missouri has drive-throughs. Missouri allowed delivery from day one. All great things. Uh, another example is Minnesota. Minnesota, I think, has one of the most fascinating cannabis markets out there. Now, why is that? They were just the 23rd state to pass adult use. A couple of things are cool about Minnesota. They don't allow local control. So every city in Minnesota that has more than 12,500 people has to have a dispensary. 
that's one of the best ways to combat the illicit market is to make cannabis accessible to people. And so all of those small towns on the Minnesota border with boom, boom, boom. Wisconsin and South Dakota and North Dakota, those are going to be some of the most successful dispensaries in the country when they open. All those little small towns on the border of these prohibition states. Also in Minnesota, and I'll, I'll pause after this because I could go on for a while, you can walk into a brewery or into a restaurant and order legally a THC beverage. I was just in Minnesota a couple weeks ago. And what? I was having, seriously. At any at, shop? At, at thousands of them. You know, really? I didn't know that. And and it really does want, it's the new martini lunch. I'm serious, right? Like you roll up. I was having lunch with Jason Tarasek, a great cannabis lawyer in Minnesota. We're just chilling at a normal pizza restaurant and you can order a THC beverage there. Wow. And of the 180 craft brewers. Right? In, I didn't even know that. Of the 180 craft brewers in Minnesota, 40 of them are either producing or selling THC beverages. Think about that. I mean, that that is really all wild. the breweries. I know it, it who's, sounds. Who's dis, I mean, who's who's distributing all that to them? Uh, I don't know who, who's distributing to them, but well, they, they well, who, who did you drink? Uh, I drank. It, it's I got a picture of it right here. It's called like Vibe. I'll, I'll vibe? Show, yeah, Vibe. Okay. And th there's restrictions. You know, they can only be up to five milligrams of sure, THC in them. Okay. Right? There's limits on it. But it's an example of, and this goes back to the the sort of, you know, what I call the the marketplace of ideas or laboratories of democracy. They have shown that you can serve cannabis in a normal restaurant and the sky won't fall. That this sure. restrictive sales model that we have in California, it doesn't need to be that way. Right? Sure. So, I mean, well, that, it's the what's same the best as, way to as like you could sell. You could go. I mean, I could walk into a bar and have. I could walk into a restaurant and have a dinner or lunch or and have a drink and come back to work. And it happens for many of us for many years. And it's still, I mean, you can't do it in cannabis for what? Yeah, totally. It's, it's, it's an adult use, isn't it? I mean, this is what we're, we're I mean, talking about. They can about. go and smoke a joint in their car hiding or at the park. No, but it's a but high, it's but exactly. that's, that's, we, we could also hide in a car and have a drink too. You know, I, exactly. I'm just, terrible. I'm just, yeah, it's terrible. But I mean, even it's not even looked upon badly. I would even go as far as saying, hey, look, you know, I'm the CEO of this company and, you know, I've been to lunch with my guys and had a drink and came back to work. I mean, you know, I, I'm guilty of it. So I, I and, and I've also, you know, smoked a joint right here in the office. <laughs> but but oh, I mean, but and, and we still get shit done. And, and, and my point to that is, is I think that, you know, it's again, it's the destigmatization of being stigmatized and and the rules that, you know, that are kind of uh, uh, sad to see. And, and what was that Minnesota you said, huh? Minnesota, I'm telling you. Like wow, a year what from a beautiful now, everybody's place, gonna huh? be talking about Minnesota because they're the only state in the country where that level of access exists. And that's what we need in this country for other people. Just open it up. States. Yeah, open it up. Yeah. The sky won't fall. And then other states will be like, you know what? Why don't we do the same? Like if we're right. gonna do it, do it. Just do it. Like let's stop, yeah. Totally. Well that's, you know, it's funny because I love having conversations with people like this on the phone. And Brian Buckley, ironically, is one of those ones that will have these random, you know, scenarios of, what's going on in Oklahoma and if this people would do what these people are doing and if we would do what Colorado does this and if we're kind of picking and choosing. So my point and question to you would be if you could Hirsch, would you have a knowledge of all the states, the 23, I believe that are recreational, what would be the next state to go? If you guys did these 10 or if California did this or New York did that, what could make the perfect thing? Because we're going to get to federal legalization sooner or later. So we're all going to have to come to some type of agreement mm -hmm. and who knows how long that's going to take, but you'd have a better logical answer and take on that as well. And I want to hear both of those. Yeah. I mean, I think it's pretty simple. Lower the taxes, make cannabis easily accessible. Those are the, the, the two things, right? 
And I think Michigan, by the way, is a great example of this. Michigan is probably the highest performing market right now. That's because they have really robust access. They have really low taxes. And, you know, Michigan, like California, has a robust illicit market, but they're beating that illicit market, unlike California, because they make cannabis accessible and they have low taxes. I mean, it's 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 really that simple. You could add on more, but sure. Things, you know, you know I'll, I'll tell you, do, do you think federal legalization is coming soon? Uh, I, I don't. I think normalization will happen before legalization. Um, and, and so I guess what I mean by that is, you know, we've all probably heard last week, right, the Department of Health and Human Services, they recommended that we move cannabis from Schedule 1 to Schedule 3. So under a Schedule 3 designation, cannabis would still be illegal, but we'd be admitting for the first time that cannabis has medical value. So that's a big step forward. I do think to get to legalization, which is, you know, getting cannabis off the Controlled Substances Act, it'll probably be four years or so. And that'll depend in part on who the, the next president is. So is that the first step? That Yeah, th this is basically the first step. Four if years you, ain't that long. It ain't that long. It I ain't mean, that, considering. We've been waiting I a agree. long time. No, uh, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah, it, it's the first step. If you, again, not to get too wonky, but if you move from schedule one to schedule three, then these cannabis companies can finally claim federal tax deductions. And you know, if you really think about it, no company in America would be profitable if they couldn't deduct their expenses. But cannabis companies cannot deduct their expenses. So that by itself would mean you would pay a 30% tax rate instead of a 70% tax rate. And so it's a first step to making these viable businesses. You know, mm. It makes it so tough for these, uh, you know, for those that are listening, you got to realize, especially in California, these companies that are pushing, they're pushing. And you hear them tell the stories on this show time and time again. They're not so profitable like a normal company that's selling T-shirts or vegetables that they're growing where, you know, okay, they can sell it and do pretty good. I mean, you look at, you know, farmers in Fresno and the California, you know, Central Valley, where that's where we grow a lot of the vegetables that feed this country damn near. Mm -hmm. And they do very well over there because they don't have the taxes that the cannabis people have. Totally. And it's like these people should be able to prosper just as well as those other ones. Yep. And you're saying by making it a, 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 a Category three, category three, yep. that would change it right off the top for them for for taxes and being able to write things off. Exactly. You know, there's a provision of the tax code called 280E and what 280E this part of the IRS tax code. It says, hey, if you are trafficking in a schedule one or a schedule two drug, then you cannot claim your tax deductions. And the history of this is that in the 80s, there was a really like prolific cocaine dealer, right, who was caught and was trying to deduct his expenses right on his taxes. And so the Congress and Reagan passed a law saying, hey, you can't do that if you're Schedule 1 or Schedule 2. So yes, if you're a Schedule 3, which is the same category as like Tylenol, for example, then yes, you can claim tax deductions. And that's a huge deal for making these more viable businesses. And it also means a small business that doesn't have tons of capital behind it can succeed, right? It can well, it also means that we can, go, we can go right into Walmart and everywhere else for sales, right? I it, mean, it'll, it'll, it, yeah, I think it'll start that process. Yeah, sure. It'll start right. that I mean, process. because, you know, you'd have, like you said, Tylenol, you'd have your Cannonol, you know, pill that you might be able to start seeing over the counter. That is maybe, that taken yet? Cannonol? That's a good I, one. Right? <laughs> there, there's actually a pill called Marinol. That is, we know that what is I know what Marinol, but Marinol is a, a synthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah but Cannonol is the one. Right? When you <laughs> go, said go that right daddy, now, no, no, Cannonol. Well, he said Tylenol. I said Cannonol. You know what I mean? That rolled off perfect though, because yeah. I can see that being a brand. I, but Make I, it red and white well, as well. Well, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I and I think that you, you know, but walking into the into those markets and being able to have product lines on the you know shelves with Amazon, for example. I mean, the, you, you could see some hemp products and this and that, but ideally there's no THC, right? So anything that has THC in it, 
is a is a no no. But you can go on Amazon and buy liquor. Yeah. You know, so uh, you know, you can buy, uh, you know, t- Tylenol. I'm all can you buy liquor on Amazon now? Yeah. Right. I think you probably have to show ID, but yeah, you can buy it. Right. You can buy it. Oh uh, yeah, you bought man, exactly. My wife gets stuff delivered actually, but I don't know if it's through Amazon. She gets a certain wine or well, whatever. There certainly no is uh, whatever the one's called that uh, Instacart for sure. Oh yeah, you're buying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. buying it so, all. I mean, but I mean, we're buying it through delivery service as well. But I'm just saying, like, you know, there, there's a much there's a, there's a much broader market that I feel like we can go into. So, um, you know, let me ask you this. You know, do you feel that? Through this this process, once it does, that the big big players in the game are gonna just come wipe out all the mom and pops. After this break, it's kind of a talk one one. We'll be right back. You want to hear your name shouted out live on the show? Call us anytime. One 420 and leave us a voicemail. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to Cannabis Talk One Hundred One now. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, a daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Like our recent episode with Hollywood royalty, Regina and Raina King. We talked about the creative power of women's relationships. I feel like, thank God for women. Like, especially when it comes to Black women, the way we lean on our mothers, our grandmothers, our sisters, our friends, we're just each other's pulse. I mean, it's molecular, you know? Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A., I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the number one cannabis show on the planet. You know what? F*** it. Now, back to the number one cannabis show in the universe, Cannabis Talk 101. Elevated Global Supply, the highest standard packaging. Elevated Global Supply is your preferred packaging partner from design to delivery. Check out their website at EGS 
pkg.com. I want to thank everybody around here that makes it happen from Adrian to Alex C, Alex A, Mondo, Madison, doing a great job, young lady, Novelli, Teddy the Show Dog, Daniel, my brother from another mother, Connor, Kinky Cam Baxter, Beach Bar Salar, Ali Muffin, Sunday, Goldie, Brother Pitt, Mark Carnes, Chris Franquino, Jennifer, Erica, and Elvis. Thank you guys all for doing what you do. Hirsch, the founder and CEO of Ananda Strategy. A lot of things you guys are doing. And Blue, you asked him a question right before we went to break, and I'm almost drawing a blank. What was the question that you asked him? Do you remember the question? I do. What was it? It was how do we, you know, do we think that these changes will lead to a consolidation in the Co- industry? Correct. Yeah. The, the, big, the big, you know... Uh, Thank you, Hirsch. You can tell you're the smarter one of us three up here. You're paying attention. <laughs> they call it consolidation. <laughs> you know, just big, big pharma's. You know, oh yeah, big, is the big boy going to come in and wipe everybody out? Big boy's going to come in and wipe everybody out. You know, what I mean, I don't think so. No. I think I think the way that you develop a robust industry is by lowering the barriers to entry and lowering the regulatory burden. And I'll, I'll give you an example about of that. New Mexico has probably one of the most diverse cannabis industries in the country. Right. And the reason that it does is that it has lowered the barriers to entry. There isn't a big capital requirement to get involved. If you look at the typical cannabis business owner in New Mexico, it's an ordinary person, probably Latino, probably middle class, started this business, you know, maybe with his wife. Right. This is these are the profiles of people. And so when you allow these businesses to be opened in the same way that, say, restaurants are right, then then you'll you'll have a more diverse industry. And I'll also say regulatory burdens lead to consolidation, right? So in California, because of the tax structure, because of how hard it is to operate a legal business, a lot of these assets are distressed. And so a lot of people with money are going to move in and consolidate these assets. So these regulations, you know, they sort of benefit the most well-capitalized actors, the people with lawyers and, and with resources. And so by lowering the barriers to entry, we can create a more diverse market. And I think it'll look the way the coffee market looks like, yeah, there's Starbucks, right? And so there's a big chain, but there are also boutique operators that can compete and have more regional brands and be successful. That's a good way of looking at it, because you're right. There are a lot of good coffee shops that are like, you know, the little ones you're like, oh, I love that one. There's a bunch in the Central Valley. There's some in San Jose. There's some in San Diego, a couple in Los Angeles that are just randomly different, you know, a name that they have a couple of them, and I can see that being the case. It's yeah, well I, I see that in 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 some places, but I I think in like distribution, you know, when it comes to you know Kirkland and and these bigger brands that are able to move it into Costco, like right now, if you're going to buy cigarettes, eighty percent of the people that buy tobacco go to Costco. It wasn't always like that. You used to have to go to smoke shops, and you'd buy them from packaged, you know, you'd buy cartons at smoke shops, you know, and the the smoke shops had all kinds of different cartons, and then you know. They consolidate it and they said, look, you know, this is silly. How are we going to, you know, you guys are, we're moving, you know, from a massive warehouse in, and we have massive warehouses in every state and we, tr- you know, transport to products to Costco's all across the country. Let's roll it out. It's that big of a product. And, and I think cannabis is that big of a product that it's going to be, you know, consolidated in, in, in distribution model. Yeah, and then as far as dispensary goes, I don't think they can get rid of dispensaries, but I think that, and I think dispensary is going to be your craft brew, you know, and, and your, your, your localization, you know, the guy that's been going to, you know, dispensary a down the street now is going to walk into target and not a target into Chevron and get gas and go, let me get a, a you know, a, well, ste- I mean, a steezy and- pin. In fairness, you can go to I'm not, the yeah. same thing and get a Snickers, a Gatorade, 
a this and that, and you can get it at a liquor store. You and can that, get all those things are sold at all the same places. Yeah, that is fairness. And then, you know, that, so when you say that, I'm going, huh, yeah, I can buy a case of Gatorade at Costco as well. I can buy a or case of beer. I can go to Chevron and buy Costco. one. Exactly. And I, and I and what I'm saying is. is so it might is be big I, distribution. Like, I, well, let me get my I pound see it going there. Costco. I see it going there. And I, I think most of us don't want to see it go I'm, there. I'm not saying we don't want to. <laughs> no, no. I, I'm or just you saying, want to, you mean, yeah. You, I, yeah, I, I just think, I just think in. I think in order to wipe out the, the the illicit market, that's where it has to go. Yeah, unfortunately, right. And 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 so and and, and to compete, you're right because the illicit market. Now you're getting like on, baby. pounds for this a couple is, hundred and, bucks. And, and, and listen, I've which been is a, crazy. And don't get me wrong, like I come from that this market. You know what I mean? So I am about the the farmers, and I do believe that 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 you know the craft, this and that, should all be here. I, I I'm a fan of it and. And I do believe that every one of those, once the taxes come down, will still have margins to succeed. You know, I, I really do. And I, I think that people are going to be able to still make a good living in their little towns and, and be able to produce big, big plants. Well, if they do, like Hirsch is saying, which makes so much sense, lower that level to get in because now you got to pay so much just to even think about getting into the game. Where when you use that analogy, like restaurants, you got Indian restaurants, you got Japanese restaurants, Chinese restaurant, Vietnamese restaurant, Mexican restaurant. Why can't all them same folks open up dispensaries too sure. and have their type of, you know, Hindu weed, this right. and that, or Mexican weed and you know what I mean? And Japanese weed, because when you say it that way, it made me think differently actually right now going, dude, there is room for it. Why? Because there's room for all these other restaurants are out there. There's room for all these other stores that are out there just like that because the level to get in is so low. Right, and I think the determinant of a restaurant's success most often is the quality of the product, right? Sure. And that's what we should, that's what we need in And Kansas, that's what's determined. wealth is not the barrier, but it's like, do you have game or not, right? No. That dictates your do success. Do you have a good yeah. product? Is it good food there? Is it good weed there? Good right? marketing, good food, all that's gonna come totally. into play. Totally. Because a lot of people are gonna, I mean, listen, when I'm telling you when, when Marlboro comes out with the oh. the Canabro, whatever the hell they come and they're up gonna with. be able to mass produce so much and they mass produce it in such a massive scale and they make it the coca-cola of cannabis I mean, they can lower it down to probably like a quarter Cause right a now because right now <laughs> let's be honest there's only a couple brands that have done that yeah do you know like a steezy you know steezy stepped out and they spent and 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 i if i'm not mistaken you know and and you know they just defaulted on a hundred million dollar or two hundred million dollar, uh, uh, you know. Jet. So as big as we think they are. Well, no, they are that hurting. big. They still are. They I mean, just default. I mean, and and again, maybe that's information I got to look and and find out that I got that um, isn't public. Allegedly, yet. or maybe rumor, but no, it's it's a fact. I, I just don't know whether or not it's number. public yet. Oh, okay. I got a phone call from someone on the inside that that I heard that they defaulted on it, and and it's a big deal. So I I got to run that back. But you know, I ideally though, you know, you know, at the end of the day. You know, the, I'm talking, there's only a few people that are at that massive scale and it's, and it's hard to be at that MedMen, for an example, dude, you know, they were first through the door, they came out, they became this massive company, you know, they had massive investors behind it. There was, you know, all kinds of people shooting at them, you know, when you get to a certain level, but, but the, these guys can sustain it. Marlboro is going to, they're in this industry, you know, like I had conversations with, you know, folks 10 years ago that were like, look, we're going to sell uh cannabis for 25 cents a gram and i'm like how is that possible you know yeah, I was like, insane. 
Yeah, and then and then they're like, "Well, we plan on losing money for the first ten years and wiping everybody out." And I'm like, "And they have the backing to do it." Yeah, you know what I mean. Totally. And and then you start having that conversation, and they're going, "Damn!" And then the illicit market doesn't even look that cool anymore because your boys are like, "Yeah, but you got fucking killer flour, but so do they at the store, and it's only twenty five cents a gram or seventy five a dollar a ten gram. bucks for an eighth, mm-hmm. you know." Yeah. And 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 really, all they they're doing is saying, "Hey, we're ready to crush." you know, crush because they say, yeah, for the first five years, we are, we, we're going to lose massively. But after that, for the next 2,500 years are, you know, we'll be the leading, you know, cannabis cultivators in the world. And, 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 and I, 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 unfortunately that's, that's, this is real life, you know, it's a, and, and I don't look at it as a bad thing. You know, it, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's business. It's business. It's what big it's business. Big, if you have the big, big pockets, business. you can do that. You yeah. know, so. If they're going to do that. I you, mean, what are your thoughts on anything like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, look, we're talking about craft. I think one of the best things for craft is the creation of a national market, right? If you think about all of these farmers in Humboldt, for example, that are producing craft product, right now they can't avail themselves of the national sure. market for their goods. So one of the key things to ensure their success is to make sure that they can sell their goods at least across the country. Right. So I, I think that's one thing that's that's super critical. And yeah, I mean, to your point, right, you're mentioning the Marlboro example. We don't want to make wealth like a barrier to entry in this industry. So the more, right. the more the more able you are to develop a small business, the less of a threat someone with deep pockets is. The more onerous it is to participate in this business, the more of an advantage that someone like Marlboro has because they can wait you out. I love his mindset. I'm yeah. telling you, he's a great dude right here. Hirsch, uh, Ananda strategy. What does somebody need to do? What level do I need to call and try to set up a consultation? Do I have to be, where am I at in my cannabis experience before I should call you? Well, you know, the, the great thing is I have some, you know, really high flying clients, but I also have a roster of social equity clients, right? People who don't pay me anything, right? So, um, and who I love working with. So Posh Green, you know, Reese Benton, the first black woman to own a dispensary in San Francisco. You know, she's she's my client. Uh, Jessica Nason, who's trying to open up one of the card licenses in, in New York. So the great things, I mean, I just work with people that I believe in. Sometimes they're larger operators like the artistry or wheelhouse. Sometimes they're equity applicants who are trying to navigate this really onerous process. So if your heart's in the right place, you know, then, then I'm on your side and, yeah. and give yourself a call and see if we can do something. Yeah. And you serious. work all states? Uh, yeah. Mostly, out of country too? Mostly California, Arizona, um, you know, uh, New Mexico. But I've done work in Canada. You know, I was in Germany this summer, in Spain. So you just know, wrap your head around it when it's time to go. Yeah. I mean, again, it's really fascinating to see all of these countries take their own tack towards cannabis. It's a really fascinating way to learn about these other cultures to see how they're engaging with this. And so you can see it across the country, right? We see the political differences across our country as we all come to grips with how we're going to regulate it. And the same is true nationally. And so, you know, Germany, as you may know, is about to pass a legalization bill, the biggest economy in Europe that's going to have ripple effects across the continent. And, you know, it's kind of funny when I was in Germany, you know, just because I'm from California, I got to meet with eight members of the Bundestag, which are the German parliament. I mean, in no other life are those folks going to meet with me? But I got to meet with these eight German lawmakers who wanted to know my opinion on how to regulate cannabis. And so um, I, I guess that's that's why it's so awesome to go out there to learn and, and to interact with people that I'd never otherwise have the chance to interact with. Sure. And as you see that abroad, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on what country has it the best right now? You know, uh, it's, their people? It's, it's hard to say. Um, on some level, the United States has it best, right? Which I know sounds crazy, but I mean, there is more, you know, in 
in many parts of this country, you can easily walk in, right, and, and buy legal cannabis. It's obviously not perfect, but you can't do that in Germany. You can't do that in Spain. Um, so obviously the U.S. isn't perfect, but the U.S. has has moved ahead of a lot of other countries. Sure. And there's Canada, too, which is Canada's had Canada for, seems for many really good. Israel sounds up. like they have it down pretty good, too. You know, I hear a lot of great things about Israel, especially with all the research, research that oh, they're doing. Is well, to Amster me about, Amsterdam has been I mean, doing this shit been since, on point. you know, four flats in a Cadillac. I mean, These exactly. Guys have had, that goes there. I mean, they were the leader, I, it, right? Yeah, I mean, they've had dispensaries and, and you know, if tea you, shops, smoke shops, the whole nine. If yeah. you want to go see this, we could have seen, you could have been on tour many moons with us ago. And we walking right through that place going, damn. This is how this. it goes down. I mean, it was out there. But, you know, listen, is there anything that we forgot that you want to bring up before we let you get, get on? Oh, no, we got to do the high five with this guy. Oh, that's right. We haven't yeah. did the high yeah. five with Hirsch. Come yeah, on now. The founder and CEO of Ananda yeah. Strategy, Jeez. folks. Go to the website, anandastrategy.com. And, of course, you can find them on IG at Ananda Strategy as well. Question number one, Hirsch. How old were you the first time you smoked cannabis? And where'd you get it from? Uh, I was 15 the first time that I smoked. Uh, I was in Colorado on a school trip, and I, I was with my boys, Dan Sheehan. Shout out to Graham Safdie. Shout out to Ashan uh, Paris. Shout I out to Justin Eckstein at the University of Denver. Yeah. Yeah, man, that was the first <laughs> That's time. That's dope. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. In college? Uh, 15. 15. 15 in high school. Yeah, he might have been fucking Mr. Smarty Pants. Yeah. He might have been taking college Jeez. courses. Question number two of the high five. What is your... Favorite way to use or smoke cannabis? I mean, now it's it's concentrates, right? Now it's vapes. I think historically we all used flour. That's kind of how we we came up. But Try now that one, yeah. And <sighs> I mean, I, I work with them, so I'm a little biased. But mammoth, I love those heavy hitters. You know, the the one grand like potent vapes, and I love to use cannabis and run. So I'll go to the Hollywood Reservoir oh, nice. and I'll hit that thing ah. and I'll just run around. And that's, that's, that's one of my favorite ways to, to use. That's always you like nice. exercising, exercising. Yeah. I don't mind working out, you know, and, and, uh, you know, hitting some weed and working out. It's not a bad time dude. 80% of the NBA uses cannabis, but helps you focus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah, they're not talking about that. Is it 80%, 80% now? That I mean, that's what, that's what Tom Tolbert, a former NBA player said, you know? Oh, and, you do. Uh, I, I, I've, I could see that. I think that's I've had conversations with, you know, like Jim McMahon and this goes back to, you know, 80s football, right? In the 80s, I think it was 80s and early 80s, right? Yeah, 80s, yeah. 80s football, 80s, right? Yeah. He's like, dude, I smoked weed before every fucking game, after every game. He said, and I, he said not to put a bunch of other people on blast, but a lot of people did. And he's just like, it's, and and, and I know a lot of NFL players that have all said, hey, look, I smoked. Kyle Turley. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Hell Kyle Turley yeah. for sure. And I know sure. a lot that said they didn't. I'm in fairness too. Like I know oh, a lot yeah, of players that yeah. nope, I don't smoke. I never did. Well, I, uh, you know? we had uh, uh, what's his name on on the thing, um, uh, the big guy, the basketball player, John Sally. I'm no John Sally for sure. He was smoking, but it was um, it, not the, the one that was a virgin for the longest time. Oh, uh, AC oh, Green. AC Green, AC Green yes, never smoked too. to this day. Yeah, I mean, my boy Derek Deese. Yeah, Super oh, he Bowl never, champion. He don't he, smoke. No, no, he never yeah, smoked. Yeah, um, AC Green, uh, you know, has never smoked, and 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 and. You know, we try to get him to smoke with us on air, but, uh, you know, but he was also a virgin until he was like, you know, 30 or something, right? Yeah, my boy Carney for the Saints, fullback. Like not not a bad family. thing. He didn't know. smoke. Question number three of the high five, Hirsch. Craziest place you ever used cannabis or smoked? Um, you know, my dad and I, a few years ago, we hiked uh, to the base camp of Mount Everest, um, which was a great father-son experience. And I was hitting my vape. I mean, this goes back to the exercise thing, right? We're, we're at like 15,000 feet. You know, just got all these like, you know, all these folks there in the Himalayan mountains and I was hitting that thing. That's great. Yeah. That's yeah. such a good time. 
Question. Look <laughs> at Teddy the show dog over here. Yeah. Question Kevin number four of the in. high five. What is your go to munchie after you get high? Um, probably ice cream of some kind. You know what I'm saying? What kind? I you know, love this ice is cream a little too. embarrassing. Uh, Bubblegum ice cream is fucking good. And you the know, thrifty I, one? I know I'm, I'm a six year old boy st uh, still. When, when uh, yeah, Baskin Robbins used to carry it back in the day. So, oh, I, yeah. which one? Is which this one? picture of you pink when you say you're a oh, six-year-old Oh, bubblegum. Dude, it's crazy you say that because I, I used to always get the bubblegum. You know what I mean? Yeah, Just, it's, it, it's good, right? Because I used to get it, at, not even at Baskin Robbins, though, I used to get it at the uh, local uh, uh, donut store by my house. Yeah. So I would just be at the donut store and they just boop, you know, pull it out. <laughs> it's good. Is this it. you right here, a picture of you as a youngster? Uh, you know what's funny? That's actually not me. There is one other person in the world that I've ever met that has the same name as me. And, and that's it's, him. It's it's him. I mean, but I was tell me that's not you as a kid compared to you now as an adult. <laughs> so I'm in the back right. The other two pictures are him. I mean, it's the funniest thing. My name is pretty uncommon. I, I rarely meet another Hirsch. And I met this other Hirsch Jane who's seven years younger than me, right? So I'm, I'm 35. He's 28 now. And this guy is like, this guy's like a legend. That's that's the crazy thing. This guy, uh, he's the, I mean, he has a TED talk, right? He worked for the NSA. What? I'm telling you, I met I met him, uh, and we're like friends now because we got the same name. And so, anyways, that's not me, but he's seven years younger than me. And if you Google him, you will see. I mean, he worked for the NSA. He works now. He's the head of federal policy for a company called Palantir, which is a big shot company. So, anyways. I got this guy with the How same name random, as me. How random, because I thought it was you it. as like a no. little, I was like, that's cool that they did this whole combo no. picture for this dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like a young one, a different one. I'm like, oh, these are great pictures uh, of you. It's another Indian dude. The only other guy I've ever met. You guys kind of look a lot alike we too. We do. Yeah, and <laughs> have the me. same name, right? <laughs> Even to you, you're like, is that, that me as a kid? It's a little, yeah. That totally. is so random and awesome. I love yeah. that, dude. That is really cool. And you guys are kind of buddies now. You met. I ran into him at a football game. Uh, no, and, and I'm telling and you, he came up. How to me. weird is so, what? Check this out. All right. So he came up <laughs> wow. to me. I was like, why is this random Indian dude staring at me? Right. So I was like 24 at the time. He was 17. This guy walks up to me. He's like, hey, are you Hearst Jane? And I was like, yes. He's like, my name is also Hearst Jane. Uh, I know what you look like because when I was young and the Internet was coming up, I would Google myself and I would see your picture come up and, you know, this kid, you know, Hershey grew up in Michigan. I grew up in California. So you'd see like a, you know, like. And where a, did you guys meet at? Uh, <laughs> okay. You know where we met? We met at the Harvard Yale game because I was a third year law student at Harvard and he was a freshman undergrad at Harvard. And so I was just like, I mean, shotgunning beers. I was super fucked up at this game with all of my Harvard <laughs> Law School friends. And then he rolls up on me and says this to me. All my friends are like, this is fucking crazy, right? And uh, I mean, to it, it was an awesome, hilarious conversation. As I mentioned, he turns out to be an incredibly bright guy. We're like, yeah, we should get dinner sometime. And uh, you know, it's not like I see him on the reg, but we stay in touch and I get, you know, once a week I get an email for him, like for me, you know, and-, and Still, you know, really? I mean, yeah, people will Google, will email hearstjane at gmail.com and I'll be like, nah, dude, wrong guy. Let me yeah. forward it to you. Yeah, yeah, you're like, no way. And you send it to his real email. Yeah. You're like, hey, dude, this just came in for totally. you. Totally. And oftentimes there'll be these like hotshot job offers because he's a really like well-educated dude. And I don't know anything about engineering, but they'll be like, Hirsch, we would love for you to lead engineering at such and such. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. Wrong, wrong <laughs> one. Yeah. I mean, I'll I take the you. money, but I mean, yeah. I'm smart like, as well, I'll take but that job. Field. Yeah, nah. Just talk to him, dude. You'd oh, man. One of my, my, one of my buddies is, is very, very intelligent, uh, you know, Harvard graduate and, uh, he uh, <laughs> he has like three jobs that all work from home, nice. it, <laughs> yeah, like and it. they're they're all paying like over like two hundred plus grand, two hundred thousand a year, 
And, you know, obviously they don't know that he has three at-home jobs, but, you know, he literally can just, ma- he's able to manage all three of them. That's a movie right there, bro. And, and, and you know what's it crazy? Really and, and, and you know what's crazy? Especially is since I, COVID? <laughs> oh, my God. And I, what's crazy is I was like, dude, like, you know, we should get, like, five more jobs, you know, because people offer him jobs all the time. And I'm like, dude, I'll get a, the whole back room managing those jobs for you, you know? <laughs> Scale this thing. And awesome. Scale this thing. And I mean, just like, paying people less and then making money off. That'd be two, great. Two hundred fifty thousand a, a job. You got ten of them in the back. You know what I mean? That's make it happen, good. Captain. Bring them aboard. Yeah. You Hit must be number talented four. To, hold, to hold down three jobs. You must have some game. I mean, you know, they they have them work like three days a week, and you know, what I mean, it's all fucking great. Yeah, I'm happy for pounds out emails. I think it's is a niece and someone else is helping them with some of the emails. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's pretty amazing, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Hirsch. Oh, I mean, that was my... <laughs> that was what he told I me offline. I just want to add on here. I think uh, Blue's high off this pin because he's not hits, going bro. to number four at all yet. I already did number four. It's number no, five, you, hot shot. He did? Well, you know what? Maybe I'm the idiot Fucking here. Fucking dodo bird. What is your, your go-to munchies after you get high? I never I, heard I, that. I, I answer that. You, did you? You want to know? Oh the God. pink bubble gum? I'm the high one. Pink, pink wow. bubble gum? Oh, yeah. Now you remember? Did you? I think you blew it in my mouth. Yeah, I blew it in your <laughs> I think you forgot to ask me, though, dead or alive. Well, we're getting, no, that's oh, me. I'm the, it's that's his fault. Saying, that's why he's trying I'm to put me, he's, like, he's like, I'm, I'm waiting, waiting for him. blue. And I'm like, you're waiting, waiting on me? No, we're waiting on you, you big fat dummy. Oh, me. He's trying oh, to, hey, sh- he's trying to take shots at me. Uh, well, I thought he was high again, thinking, well, did not high again, but you know what I mean? I just, yeah, I was trying to take a shot, bottom line, but yeah. The shot was on me. It turned my whole day around, man. It was nice. It was amazing. Yeah. Jeez, I feel like I want to hit that pin now. <laughs> the shot's on me, idiot. Maybe I did hit it. Question number five of the high five. Hirsch Jane, the founder and CEO of Ananda Strategy, anandastrategy.com, and on IG. If you could smoke cannabis with anyone, dead, dead or, or alive, alive, while eating bubblegum ice cream, who would it be and why? Uh, do pink I have to pick bubble. just one? No, okay. no. Feel free. And they, these can be fictional people, too. Totally. Right? Okay. Hirsch? Yeah. You gonna smoke with your boy Hirsch? Yeah, yeah right? the other little guy, the, little, the, the, the real smart one. Right, yeah, the smarter one, yeah. Uh, Barack Obama would be my answer. Yeah, I love that. I like that. Um, uh, um, Kobe. Uh, love dead, that. Right, true inspiration. Uh, Stringer Bell from The Wire. You which one? I love The Wire, but which one's Stringer Bell? Stringer Bell is Avon Barksdale's partner. Uh, Stringer Bell is known as the queen in the chess game that is that is The Wire. Um, a, a, a truly bright but ruthless, ruthless man. The Wire was such a great show. Great, great show. Oh man! I mean, the, the analogs to cannabis are perfect if you think about all of these different stakeholders, right, and all of their competing interests, and obviously, the the, the context of drugs and, and drug policy in urban spaces. So yeah, I mean, the, yeah. That's take place in Baltimore, right? Wasn't Baltimore. That? Baltimore. Yeah. yeah, I love yeah. The Wire. Yeah, twenty year anniversary. Just, just uh, did it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah. so why Barack? Why Barack? Um, I know nobody's perfect, and I know this is a very politically divided time, but he's one of the few people in public life that I've seen that, as I've seen more and more, that I haven't been disappointed by, right, in, 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 a, in a deep way. Um, and, you know, I, I admire his intellect. I admire someone who tries to, to bridge the racial chasms in this society. Look, I, and I realize in this country, 40% of people hate him, right, just the way people hate political figures. Um, but, yeah, he, he was a big motivation for me to start doing criminal justice work and Oh, really? Yeah. He he motivated you like that. And, uh, you know, maybe another part of this answer is as an Indian American, it was the first time someone was running for higher office that I could at least somewhat identify with. Right. I couldn't relate to George Bush at all. 
I couldn't relate to Bill Clinton at all, right? They, they, I, none, no, no parts of their lives tracked onto mine. But I could relate to someone who had Indian roommates and had like a biracial heritage and wasn't used to seeing people like them, right, out there. And so, as the president of the United States, yeah. So that yeah. that that really, uh, I think that captured part of my imagination. You know, I I could I could identify that at at a younger age for me, you know, and then as I as I grew up, you know, and I I don't get stuck in that as much anymore, you know, but as, as certainly when I was younger, I, I could totally understand that, you know, and I don't mean young, like your age. I mean, like when I was in my, you know, twenties and shit like that, I'd be like, man, like, how am I supposed to, and I kind of like looked at him like, oh, they're the president, like give him respect. But I didn't understand like a lot of, you know, the, the culture of, of, you know, the way they talk, the way they operate, you know, they used to come in, Clinton used to come out in boots and, you know, and cowboy boots and all that, which, you know, he was, <laughs> played the sax. That was cool. <laughs> you know, he he was like one of the coolest presidents ever. A lot of people say he was the first black one. I mean, yeah, that's a really, that's, that's a real Morrison. saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That's a real saying. Tony, uh, I think it was Tony Morrison that wrote that poem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Angelo, maybe. He's yeah. the first right. black president, yeah. blah, blah, yeah. which was Clinton. I mean, I didn't have no sexual, I mean, he just was a player. Yeah, he was a player. You can like I can I can mess with this. He was a fool. I loved him. But yeah, I I agree with the saying too. And then I'm I'm just so curious your thoughts on Kobe as well as dear. Yeah, I mean Kobe, you know, Kobe's just incredible. I think he had a dedication to his craft that was uncanny, right? Um just a wisdom about him, his focus. I you know there's a reason why you drive around LA and everywhere you see are, are beautiful Kobe murals, right? So obviously he was an athlete, but I think his philosophy, his life philosophy transcended athletics. What's uh, your best Kobe memory and moment? Uh, I think the best Kobe memory is the what you know Jalen Rose refers to as as and by for the record I'm a Warriors fan, but, I, but <laughs> I'm from the Bay, you know. But but born and raised in the born, Bay. Born and raised in the Bay, but I, I do love Kobe. Um, you know, but, Joe was on the doghouse. Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally, bro. I mean, ninety four nine, baby. Look at you. I didn't even know you do that. Okay, we didn't yeah, talk he, about he it. Had, he had to do his yeah, research. Yeah, bro. I remember. I, I met Strawberry. When was this? Eric? Yeah, bro. I came to the studio. He said, "Yeah, yeah. my boy yeah. Strawberry is yeah. doing his thing Dude, still. He's he killing some, it." Yeah, he's he, he was a character man. Um, but my favorite Kobe moment was what Jalen Rose refers to as the get down laydown, which was after Shaq fouled out in Game Seven of the two thousand Finals versus the Pacers. Um, and Shaq was a monster that series. Kobe was like, I got this. And he, he hit that shot. And I don't know if you, you remember, he hit the three. And then he signaled to his own bench because they didn't believe in him yet, right? They, they still thought he was a young kid and Shaq had fouled out. And he won them that series. And uh, there's this little strut where he's like, I got this. Calm I got, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Shut remember that strut. Out. I got yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a, yeah, that's my favorite. I love it too. I don't know if you see this right here. Oh, there you go. I mean... Oh, should I pull up my I mean, you should too. I'll get off it. So I don't know if you could do no, it quick enough. I'll, but... I'll send it to you, but no, my, I'll show you mine after. Yeah, he's been a he's been a supporter of us for a long time. Oh, I mean, the first time I met Kobe, you know, it's it 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 funny because I turn around and I mean, I just felt his presence, you know what I mean? And I, and he's looking down at me like, what's up, bro? And I'm like, what's up, bro? I'm like, Kobe, you know, it just like we had the same doctor, you know, and 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 uh it was it was actually right kind of right before he passed, unfortunately. And um, but it was it was cool because Joe and I had just talked about how Joe uh, was, you know, was with uh, his daughter during um, Halloween, you know, and, and his family during Halloween, during some kind of an event or whatever they were doing. And and he was Shrek and, you know, and he has a picture inside of his house with him and his kids or whatever. And 
And uh, so I'm like, hey, man, I'm, you know, it's like I'm Cannabis Talk 101. And, and, I, and I was as I was like, Joe, and he was like, Joe Grande. And he just like already knew, you know, that Joe was part of that show. Yeah. And I was like, and Joe's just down the street right now at the offices. Our office Come by. Yeah, I was yeah. like, why don't you roll by? And he was like, to be honest with you, he's like, I, I got to go see my doctor and pick up the kids right afterwards. He's like, but I, I might pop through and see you guys sometime. I'm like, he's like, tell Joe, I said, what's up? And I'm like, boom, I will. And it was a, it was a, you know, beautiful a moment for me just to have, you know, that, that one connection. Yeah. It just I, makes a tie Kobe, of like, Kobe, oh, he's folks with folks. So therefore we're folks. Kobe, I got to do it. Let's take a quick shot. You know, we took our picture and, and, uh, and that you never was got it. to meet him. You never Did got I? to meet him. No, no, oh, I, yeah. that, that would have been great. Yeah. Yeah. No, big, big I mean, uh, the, that's an awesome story. One other thing I'll say is he wanted to be remembered as something beyond a basketball player. Right. He said, he said to uh, Matt Barnes, like, I don't want to be remembered for the last 20 years. Like, you know, the man won what, like an, yeah. like an Emmy. Right. And he's like, I want to be remembered for the next 20 years. Who else, who else do you know that would say something, something like this? Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Hard work, man. Yeah. So anything else that we uh, forgot before we let the child out of here? No, thanks so much for having me on. This yeah. is awesome, man. I really appreciate it. getting to chop it up with you guys. No, Seriously. man, we got to do more because I know you're going to be here next Thursday when the chamber's here, but yeah. we got to start figuring out what we could do. You got a you car, right? Utilize your... I got uh, a car. Yeah. <laughs> I got a car. Yeah. Hit it with that. You know how to drive, right? I just sort of. You know. Yeah, man. I'll put you to work, bro. I just got a ticket for going 118. Oh, you know, nice. Well, you need good. to slow down. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There's a speed well, just, limit for just a reason. Just keep pushing that back, pushing it back, pushing it back as far as we can, you know what I mean? And then hope he doesn't show up to court. Yeah, and then yeah, say you yeah. have COVID and you can't yeah. make it. Yeah. Keep <laughs> pushing. Hey, keep pushing it back, man. Well, there it is, guys. It's Cannabis Talk 101. And remember this. If no one else loves you, we, we do. do. <laughs> Follow Cannabis Talk 101 on all social media at Cannabis Talk 101. Thank you for listening to Cannabis Talk 101 with Blue and Joe Grande, the world's number one source for everything cannabis. And make sure you like, follow, and subscribe to Cannabis Talk 101 now. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hell of Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with sisters Regina and Raina King about the why behind their production company, Royal Ties. We have such a huge love for storytelling without walls, without barriers. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.